0: Explaining Trump's tweets this morning has become a collaborative effort because Trump out of nowhere has announced via Twitter that the government will no longer allow transgender individuals to serve in the United States military. In his series of tweets, Donald Trump wrote, after consultation with my generals and military experts, please be advised that the United States government will not accept or allow transgender individuals to serve in any capacity in the US military. Our military must be focused on decisive and overwhelming victory and cannot be burdened with the tremendous medical costs and disruption that transgender in the military would entail. Thank you. Because transgender individuals already serve in the United States military, it's not clear how Trump is going to actually implement this executive ban. The White House is currently not responding to questions on this subject as there will be a 2 o'clock p.m. Eastern meeting with White House Press Secretary Sarah Huckabee Sanders. However, the Pentagon has released a statement saying, We refer all questions about the president's statement to the White House. We will continue to work closely with the White House to address the new guidance provided by the Commander-in-Chief on transgender individuals. The strange thing about this statement, it seems as though this was truly an executive order and the Pentagon had very little to do with its rollout and decision. I'm Ian Shapiro. Donald Trump's announcement this morning via Twitter that transgender individuals will no longer be allowed to serve in the United States military came as a shock to many. However, in the United States, we have had legislation on the books that is discriminatory when it comes to individuals working in the military. If you recall the legislation, DADT, or Don't Ask, Don't Tell. This was United States policy from 1993 to 2011, and it had to do with service in the military by individuals who identified as homosexual. President Bill Clinton signed this law in 1993 and it directed military personnel to don't ask, don't tell, don't pursue, and don't harass. When it went into effect later that October, it was actually seen as a step forward from the ban on homosexual service in the military that was instituted during World War II. In 2010, the Pentagon released a study that essentially reported that Don't Ask, Don't Tell's repeal would pose little to no military risk, as some argued that it would saying that knowing that homosexuals were in the military would lower morale of individuals in the military. According to Senator John McCain, who is the chairman of the Senate Armed Services Committee, there is a similar study going on right now within the Pentagon. However, it's less about morale and more about whether transgender individuals will incur heavy medical costs on the military and about their battle readiness. This particular study is currently underway and has not been completed. The stakes of the current American healthcare debate are very high, especially for two groups. The millions of Americans who currently have insurance through Obamacare and for the Republican Party that for seven years has been promising to replace and repeal Obamacare. However, outcomes and CBO scores have perhaps not been the most interesting aspect of the healthcare debate. Instead, the interesting aspect has been the GOP's inability to get a bill on the floor with enough support to pass. Some analysis has said that the bill is just too unpopular among the mass public. Other individuals have asserted that because the bill can't get more conservative Freedom Caucus Republicans and more moderate mainstream Republicans to join together, they're playing a teeter-totter of sorts when one group gains votes, another group loses votes and becomes a type of diabolical math that can be overcome. However, some political scientists are exploring a new factor that may be keeping healthcare from becoming law. Local television news. You heard it here first folks. Local television news is killing healthcare. How you may ask, and rightfully so. Here's the story. According to survey research, most Americans get the largest part of their information about healthcare policy from the local news media. Now, this does a few things to the types of information that people get. First, individuals tend to believe that local news is less partisan than national 24-hour news networks, so they're going to trust this information more. Second, the type of information that these local groups report on are the effects of the policy that are being talked about, not necessarily the nitty gritty of the policy themselves. And a lot of what the GOP healthcare bills are doing are removing money from programs like Medicaid. They're also stripping the requirement to provide essential health belt benefits within medical insurance packages across the state level. If local coverage on the healthcare debate has been framed in terms of what individuals will lose, and individuals tend to see local news as a trusted source, then this may produce a toxic cocktail for national Republicans trying to repeal and replace Obamacare, at least if they're worried about public opinion. Yesterday, Arizona Senator John McCain returned to the Senate floor after being diagnosed with brain cancer in order to cast a pivotal vote on the motion to proceed with debate for the repeal and replacement of Obamacare. However, after casting his vote, He gave a speech in which he said that the Senate needed to go back to business as usual. No more backdoor meetings. They needed to compromise. They needed to work the way the Senate has always worked. However, Congress is a tricky institution, and the Congress that you read about in textbooks is not necessarily the way that Congress has operated for you know, the better part of the 21st century. According to the textbook version of Congress, the institution is characterized by autonomous committees, strong dyadic representation, an impressive laundry list of collective action problems like log rolling, and institutionalized points of compromise between the House and the Senate via conference committees. These are not the realities of the contemporary Congress. The contemporary Congress operates much more on a partisan basis, with parties acting as cartels, shipping legislation through a process where they will only be approved if a majority of the majority members wants that policy to take place. This ensures that the House Majority Leader and the Senate Majority Leader can protect their members politically while still being able to go back to their constituents during election time and say, hey! Look at these things that are generally more conservative or generally more liberal that we brought to you and the nation. We did a good job, right? Pat us on the head and give us re-election. While the textbook congress may be focused on creating good policy and legislation for the nation, the contemporary congress is about position taking, credit claiming, and advertising what you just did. If you're an individual who is looking for a spot of good news after the 2016 presidential election, I can tell you this. According to a new study by Pew Research, election 2016 has generated interest and knowledge in politics, and this increase among the mass public has occurred especially among women. This comes as little surprise as the 2016 presidential election had one of the largest gender gaps in history when it came to who a woman was supporting for president. When you begin to break the trend down by partisanship, you see that women who lean or identify as Democrats are the most likely to say that they are now paying increased amounts of time to politics. And it's not just about paying attention to politics. Regardless of gender or party affiliation, individuals are getting more involved in politics. Since the election, more individuals say that they have attended a political event or protest. In a democracy, the individual's voice is very important. And if individuals aren't engaged and knowledgeable about politics, it's likely that their voice will not be heard where it matters by their representatives, and in that case, they can't be represented. So good on you, American people, in becoming more engaged and more active and more knowledgeable about your democracy. I'm Ian Shapiro.